0: Everyone and welcome to episode 144 of Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Lind, and I am Kayla Moria. We are a paranormal podcast. Yes, we are. Kayla, how's it going?
1: It's it's good, good. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, it will be the day after Halloween. Halloween. Yep. But I uh, am currently just getting the last couple of days in before my favorite day of the year. Nice. Um. We went and saw John Waters at the West Theater
0: oh, on Thursday, so nice. that was fun
1: as shit.
0: Um, the Gemstones opened for him, didn't
1: they? Yes, yep they they were really good. Nice. Um, so the Gemstones opened for him. He was hilarious, and at one point I had been walking around work going like, "It's John Waters Day! It's John Waters Day!" <laughs> Nobody at work knew who John Waters is.
0: I don't really know. I couldn't tell you a single one of his songs. I probably no. He's not a musician. Oh,
1: well, there you go. He's a director. Yeah, I didn't know who that is. The original Hairspray, like pre the musical.
0: Who am I thinking of then?
1: Uh, John Prine. Oh, yep. No, no. So he very different people. um, Just to name a few of the more recognizable ones, the original um, Hairspray before the musical. The musical is based on his original one. And then uh, Female Troubles, um, uh, Pink Flamingos, Pecker. um, There's just a bunch of them. I was just trying to think of what ones might be more recognizable. Um, Lots of movies with Divine before she passed away. Oh, yeah, that's right. And just filth. Like literally he's known (laughs) as, I believe he's known as the Pope of filth. But his stuff was hilarious and then we got the extra VIP tickets so that we got to stick around for the group therapy session at the end which was just a more private Q&A and I got to ask John Waters a question which felt pretty cool.
0: That's awesome. So well the fact that the gemstones opened up for him really confused me.
1: No it's just they were looking for a musical act to like play well. Everybody was like waiting for him to come on. Okay. It was okay. very good. Okay. So I'm excited. I hope, and then John Waters actually said this, he's like, you know, it's important for theaters like this, small, privately owned, like independent theaters to stay open. And he's totally right. And I hope that they get to do more fun, different type of things like that.
0: Well, it's too bad that you are, your schedule is so full. Cause I just saw that they are Hiring at the West Theater. Yeah, I don't have
1: time for another job. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing?
0: I am embarrassed. Why? Because multiple people heard our unedited version of the (laughs) podcast. And I don't even know what happened. Like both the edited as well as the unedited version was uploaded online I don't even know how it happened. I know that 11 people heard it before I fixed it. But also my sister said that it took like a whole day for what she listens to, like how she
1: listens to the podcast for it to update. And I was like, no, at least, at least two of those people were my mom and my sister. I know. So eh. mom and sister, they, they were probably just like, Oh God, they burped a lot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) My sister's like, you normally cut out things like chewing
0: noises. I was like, yeah, I cut out most of that. Yeah, You re-listen to it. (laughs) Re-listen to the edited one. It's much better.
1: And then all I could think was like, you know what? I'm just really glad it's not one of those ones where we said something really embarrassing or personal. While we were recording. Because that
0: happens sometimes. Sometimes,
1: sometimes y'all don't hear it, but every once in a while when we have to like take a break, we'll talk about like other stuff. Yeah. And I'm just really glad it wasn't one of those. I know.
0: (laughs) That is literally what I was thinking of because I know that that's during the break. So a lot of times I just like skip through it and cut it out. And I was like, what did we say? (laughs) What did we say? Oh my gosh. Should we talk about like bowel movements or anything? I don't think so. Not on that one. (laughs) Other than that, I am good. It was a really, really busy week last week. I had a clothing swap, which was super fun. And then yesterday, it was like packed, jam-packed Hillary and Willow time. We went to Boo at the Zoo. Nice. And Hillary felt, she said she felt a little silly because Willow's not even a year old. But like we, we took a bag and we went around and got all the candy. And I was like, do not feel bad. You carried that baby for nine months. You get the candy. You get all the candy. You get that candy. Yeah. Uh, And then we went to Halloween at the Cedar Lounge with Big Wave Dave and the Ripples. And it was fantastic. Nice. I also officially yesterday announced my 10-year anniversary show. Hashtag My Duluth. If you're in this area, it's coming up on November 18th. It uh, has dead end friends and our favorite Adam Herman do and love the Dynamite Adam. Club. We do
1: love Adam Herman here. And then some big wave Dave and the Ripples. So Left of Skeptic are Adam Herman stands.
0: We are indeed. So you can <laughs> uh, you can come here and sing some lovely music for you along with Dead End Friends who played my very first ever show.
1: That's so cool. That's what a cool way to do a 10 year reunion. That,
0: yep. Yep. I am a little sad that it's so like dude heavy, but I only wanted artists that had played before, my shows before, and the the ladies were not available. So I'm like, And okay. it's just good dudes. It is all really good dudes. Yep. And I uh I'm just gonna do an all female version at the beginning and like this coming year. Uh-huh. And then it'll it'll
1: balance it out
0: for you. you. Shit'll buff <laughs> out. It'll be great. <laughs> I like to support my ladies in
1: music, so the ladies. Yeah, tequila is my lady, my lady. Yeah, it's anytime somebody says something about my ladies, I either think of Big Mouth or um, Cabin in the Woods.
0: Oh, see, my lady makes me think of Knights of the Round Table,
1: or my lady, or a uh, fedora wearing Incel, my lady. Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> well, I'm really excited for your story this week, mostly because you didn't put it on
1: the list, so I have zero idea what it is. Well, so I've actually got two locations this week. Okay, because they are both much shorter stories. There's something that we t- would typically do, like, like one of these things we talked about in one of our live streams that okay. we didn't record. Oh, yeah. Um, simply because. We just I, 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 the second story just kept getting recommended to me mm-hmm. and there just wasn't enough to fill out a whole episode.
0: Oh, yo know, yeah. That's so what,
1: I mean I'm not gonna complain about two little stories <laughs> <laughs> So we're doing just a little like like a couple little mini things here for you um the first location I've had written since May of 2021. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. And then the second Playing one the long game just keeps popping up on lists for me because it's like local ish. It's Minnesota. OK. Um, and it keeps being recommended that I visit it. And so I looked oh. into it. It was pre- it's, it's a cool location. I didn't want to not include it. Right. It's just not enough to be a whole thing. OK. OK. So first up uh, the story I have had written for over two years <laughs> is the Alliance Theater in Alliance, Nebraska which we have talked about on a live stream yeah, but I, was I looked say, that back that sounds familiar but I looked back and we have not recorded it so unless somebody ha- was present for the live stream this will still be a new story for you
0: Oh yeah that's right we don't do live streams very often but yep. our new thing if we do them if you tune in you get to hear extra stories at the end
1: Exactly yep
0: okay i was like I- that sounds so familiar
1: So One of the most iconic buildings in the city of Alliance in Nebraska is the Alliance Theater. The building began as the Charter Hotel in 1903. It transitioned into a theater for performing arts known as the Imperial Theater at some point. I couldn't find the exact date. Owner Craig Bullard said it was the Imperial Theater until about 1937 when it was remodeled into the Alliance Theater. About 1995, we got a hold of the old J.C. Penny building, which was a freeze-frame video at one point as well, and converted that into some more theaters and connected them. So there are now two old buildings that became connected to become the Alliance Theater. One
0: was a movie store and the other was a J.C. Penney? No, uh, one
1: was the Charter Hotel. Okay. And then the other was a J.C. Penney, which also was a freeze frame video okay so video store department store hotel turned into a theater
0: (laughs) i'm glad that we're uh reusing building recycling yep
1: reduce reuse recycle (laughs) i know but reduce (laughs) didn't quite make sense so yeah it's the opposite of reduce expand reuse recycle exactly that's what we
0: do here in alliance
1: Bullard said that when he first saw the theater in 1990, he remembers seeing some of the silent movie theater sets just hanging from the stage area and the dressing rooms below the stage. In the present day, this would be behind theater number one, which holds the most seats in the four theater building. According to historical research, there are stories of an actress called Mary who was killed on stage when a piece of lighting equipment fell on her during a performance where she was playing the part of a bride. Many attribute the haunting activity of this building to Mary, who is said to be roaming throughout the theater. She's also said to keep the theater tidy. In my research, there is folktale of this Mary character. It resembles a Phantom of the Opera type tale. It has been perpetuated over the years and in different theaters all over the country. It makes me wonder if it really happened, said Bullard. Theater employees over the years have heard interesting noises, just strange, phantom, unexplained noises, nothing specific. But they have specifically heard the sound of footsteps and heard hands clapping out of nowhere. Oh, gross. And they have seen shadow figures. Okay. Bullard added that sounds that are unexplained are for sure just part of an old building. I'm kind of always thinking there might be a very reasonable explanation for the sounds, but they are very impressive, I will say that much. I've had people actually leave the theater because they were so scared before. Banging of things or you think you see someone in the theater but you never find anybody. Mm. Past employee Carol Erickson Crow worked for the theater for seven years. She was the nighttime custodian after the business closed. Most of the time she was the only person in the building and she had experiences there. She said she heard a lot of different noises that weren't normal sounds for the theater. She was thinking that it was probably Mary, and she had seen her roam through the theater. It had been a legend for a long time, and she believes that Mary felt sorry for her because she was constantly having to clean up the messes by herself.
0: Oh, and
1: that's why Mary helps. (laughs) That's so cute. (laughs) So Carol did a little experiment with the ghost of Mary one night. Okay. Okay. She said, I swept up a pile of popcorn and purposely put it under a chair that no one would sit on to see if it would be there the next night. Oddly enough, it was gone. It was during a week when it wasn't busy, and I assumed Mary had cleaned it up for me. That is so very nice. Carol went on to say that she had to not think about things she heard or saw because it would be hard to do the job. Quote, most of the time, whatever I heard or thought looked different to me, I had to erase that from my mind immediately, or there's no way I could have done that job. I couldn't dwell on it. I avoided the boiler room in the basement and going behind the stage because I would hear a lot of things there. If I would have really paid attention, I probably would have had more questions to it, but I couldn't allow myself. My younger son in the summertime would come down and help me sometimes, and he would hear various things. It's a kind of scary place.
0: You know, I would also avoid the boiler room nothing good happens in boiler
1: rooms right like there's, ever unless you are a maintenance person working on the boiler just there don't is go down no there. reason for you to be in <laughs> a boiler do room don't do it don't do it <laughs> i would
0: just tell myself everything is mary like mary's my home girl we're cool sound behind the stage that was probably mary it's right definitely yeah just definitely mary. It's just definitely. mary she's <laughs> cleaning up for me <laughs>
1: It's nice to think of it as a helpful ghost. Yeah. A Casper versus the uncles. Yeah, Yep, exactly. Carol added that many of the projectionists would see different things or hear unexplained noises as well. Employees have also reported seeing both a light and a dark figure. They have heard interesting noises, including the footsteps and the hand clapping. So that's been reported from visitors as well as employees. Mm -hmm. The books in the manager's office sometimes move and get relocated from their placement by themselves. Were they like not in alphabetical order? And Mary's
0: like, I will not stand for this nonsense. I didn't even look into that, but that
1: is a good like thought process. Like what if they're
0: just a mess and Mary's just like, I'm fixing this. You are dirty.
1: (laughs) Mary's like, I'm sick of your lack of organizational skills. You're going to run this business into the ground. I'm going to help.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: Customers have felt things as well. Audie Draper posted on Haunted Places on December 28th of 2017. I didn't even think about the theater being haunted, and then I went to use the restroom. As I was doing my business at the stand-up urinal, another patron walked in behind me, passed behind me, and proceeded into the bathroom stall. I finished my business, washed my hands, and turned to see that the stalls were all empty, doors open, and no one in the restroom at all. I walked out with the hair on my arms standing straight up, and the chilling tingle on the back of my neck, only to see that no one was even on the staircase leading back down to floor level. At this point, it struck me that there might be activity here. Then I researched a little further and discovered that I wasn't the only one who's experienced some strange things here. While this story includes a lot of skepticism from the owner, he's not totally against it from the sounds of it. In a 2002 article published by the Omaha World News... He Gerald Bullard is quoted as saying, "If the theater is haunted, the ghosts are very friendly."
0: I mean, that's all you can hope for. Yep. And as we've said before, theater theater kids are the ones who would stay and be dramatic. <laughs> we know it.
1: Yep, exactly. We we love a we love a haunted theater because you know what, mostly they don't seem. I can't think of a single theater haunting that seems really you know, malicious.
0: I think you covered one, but it was the one where everyone died in a fire. Oh yeah, that
1: was that that was the Iroquois mean, theater haunting. And like, that's, that's just different. traumatic. Yeah. yeah.
0: This is not just past theater people coming exactly. back to enjoy the show. These were kids I feel like that's kids on a and different people who who died in really horrific ways. Yes, that's on a
1: different bar. Yeah, that's a different level. <laughs> yeah. Now for the location that keeps getting recommended to me by the internet. Okay. And you may have been here. You've definitely seen it. Okay. Mill Ruins Park. Is that in the Twin Cities? It's in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Is it near the old flower place? It, it is the old flower place. Okay. So if you are from the cities or if you've been to Minneapolis and you drive by certain areas, I think it's in Northeast, maybe. I don't remember. Anyway, when you drive by, you'll see a big sign that says gold Medal flower. This is right in that area. Okay, Mill Ruins Park is a park in downtown Minneapolis. It stands on the west side of St. Anthony Falls on the Mississippi River and runs from 3rd Avenue South to about 9th Avenue South. The park shares the history of flour milling in Minneapolis and shows the ruins of several flour mills that were abandoned. The park is the result of an archaeological study of the St. Anthony Falls Historic District The district was listed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1971, Okay, and in 1983, a project was being considered to extend the West River Parkway along the west side of the Mississippi River in downtown Minneapolis. Scott Anfinson, then the Municipal County Highway Archaeologist for the Minnesota Historical Society, developed a plan to assess archaeological sites along the riverfront. A number of test excavations along the route revealed a wide variety of sites containing items of interest, like in the Bassett's Creek area, the foundations of two sawmills and the remains of a railroad roadhouse were found. And near Hennepin Avenue, the investigation found the footings of the Great Northern Railway Union Depot and the tower bases of the 1st and 2nd Hennepin Avenue bridges. So they're digging up all this stuff and finding all these old locations. So, in the milling district, archaeologists found clues suggesting that there were still extensive remains of the foundation of the mills and water power system. The first round of archaeological surveys in the 1980s were intended to save the ruins from destruction. Mm -hmm. Just because of a lot of road construction projects where people just, they don't pay attention, they're just plowing through to get everything developed.
0: You know, it, that's one of the hard things about places like along the river in Minneapolis is that it has so much history. Mm-hmm. I know that we've definitely covered some stuff. but Yeah, and how it was like the flower that was used across the country. And it was like really, it was a big deal at the time.
1: So later in the 1990s, the focus shifted from environmental impact assessment to exposing the ruins for their interpretive value. Mm-hmm. And as the ruins were made visible to the public, the goal was to create a place where you could educate the public, uh, get tourism involved so that you're making more money for the city. Yeah. And then just general commercial development. The excavations for Mill Ruins Park began in 1998 and continued through 2001. And the process involved stabilizing the remains of the Washburn A Mill, which had burned in 1991 and became part of the Mill City Museum. Along with the remains of about 20 flour mills and other industrial buildings, the park also contains two stone piers and several iron girder piers that held a trestle for the Minneapolis Eastern Railroad. The trail races from the Water Power Canal are also visible. Mm -hmm. So it's just a lot of interesting stuff. And you might be like Kayla. This is really boring. I think it's really interesting. <laughs> but but I, you're right, audience, other
0: audience members might be like, Bleh.
1: "History? Like, why do I care about flour milling and why are we talking about it on the podcast?" Well, this is an area like a lot of older industrials that had some major tragedy. Oh, yeah, didn't something explode? The biggest thing here was this was the site of the Great Mill Disaster also known as the Washburn A. Mill Explosion in 1878. Yeah. A disaster that resulted in 18 deaths. That's when I figured out that flour was apparently very flammable. I mean, it is, but it's to the, like, yes and no. Well, if it's in the air. Yep. Everywhere. So, in 1874, businessman Cadweller C. Washburn of La Crosse, Wisconsin, opened the Washburn A. Mill in Minneapolis. At the time of its opening, it was the largest industrial building in the city and the largest flour mill in the world. With about 200 employees in 1878, it was also one of the city's largest employers. The mill was located adjacent to several other flour mills along the Mississippi River, where it derived its power from a canal that flowed through the building's lower level. At this time, Minneapolis was, like you were saying, a hub for flour production. This Mm -hmm. is where people got their flour. From, like, everywhere. Yep. Across the country, yep. they, they got flour from here. It had surpassed other cities such as St. Louis and Buffalo, New York, in terms of flour productive capacity, with the city popularly referred to as Flower City. <laughs>
0: which which sounds much prettier than it actually
1: is. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but tragedy struck when the explosion occurred on the evening of Thursday, May 2nd, 1878. Luckily, the mill's large day shift staff had completed their work and had left, so they were on a much smaller evening staff. The 14-man night shift had arrived, and at around 7 p.m., three large explosions occurred within several seconds of each other inside the mill. Jesus. It is because an accumulation of flour dust in, like inside the mill was in the air and everywhere, and then a spark came. And that ignited everything. That's where they determined it all came from. So this led to a dust explosion that killed the 14 workers inside the mill. The explosions launched debris several hundred feet in the air. Oh, my God. With with some large granite debris found eight city blocks from the mill.
0: Whoa, that is a big explosion.
1: The sound of the explosion was heard as far away as St. Paul, a distance of 10 miles from the mill. Some people in Minneapolis who had felt the blast through it thought it had been an earthquake. The explosion spawned a massive fire that spread to two adjacent mills, the Diamond and the Humboldt Mills, causing them to also have explosions and killing another four mill workers, including a mill owner named Jack Reisman. The intensity of the heat from the blaze hindered firefighting activities as firefighters could not get close to the buildings, and as a result, they continued to fight the fire throughout the night. The following day, the Minneapolis Tribune reported on the disaster saying, Minneapolis has met with a calamity, the suddenness and horror of which is difficult to the mind to comprehend. In total, six mills were destroyed. Oh my God. The destruction seriously impacted the city's ability to produce flour. Uh, yeah. And I mean, as we've discussed, that was a major industry for them, for employment, for money, like all of it. Following the blast... Washburn, the mill's owner, had a new mill designed by William Delabarre constructed on the side of the old one. This building was also later destroyed in a fire, but that was a, from what I can tell, a purposeful one because they said they raised it, oh, which okay. I think means like that's how they got rid of the old building. Yeah, that sounds correct. The Minnesotapedia entry for this disaster states, it was the worst disaster of its type in the city's history, prompting Major Safety Upgrades in Future Mill Developments. And according to General Mills, who eventually was the successor for the company for the mill, the disaster prompted Washburn to take an interest in the welfare of children, um, especially the children of the mill workers who had been affected.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say children workers in the mill,
1: and I was like, oh, no, 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 Washburn. No, 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 no. So that led to him creating the Washburn Memorial Orphan Asylum, Um, And its successor organization, the Washburn Center for Children, continues to operate as child and family service organization in the Twin Cities area. Hashtag fun fact. (laughs) Now, for the people who worked at the Washburn, a mill processing flour like they knew that they had a dangerous job at any point. Like any industrial job, you know, a conveyor belt could break, whip around and cut you Mm -hmm. across the arm or the face. You could get your fingers or digits caught in any of the many pieces of grinding, chopping, whirling bits of machinery Mm -hmm. that were all around you. And, uh, you know, longer term dangers as well. Apparently, if you spend your day in a flour mill, after breathing tons of floating flour particles day after day, you start waking up in the middle of the night, coughing up what looks like little bits of dough that have mixed inside your lungs and this is a known thing known as baker's disease and it was slow, foul and deadly apparently
0: oh my god that is disgusting and oh uh, uh, my lungs hurt just <laughs>
1: like <laughs> coughing up dough oh.
0: but it's not dough it's flour mixed with your internal fluids <laughs> that's dough
1: <laughs> it's still a dough. Just because it's not the right kind of dough you'd want to bake with, it's still a dough. Ew. <laughs> so, I mean, they knew about these dangers, but I doubt they had any idea for this potential explosion risk. Or if they were aware of it, it's kind of one of those things that you're like, okay, but that's never going to happen to me.
0: Right. Like, well, I mean, that's everybody, usually
1: people's attitude about everything. Everybody thinks, I mean, you have, you know, a house fire. That's never going to happen to me mm-hmm. until it does. Right. So that kind of traumatic, sudden, and violent death can certainly lead to a haunting. Yeah. Yeah. Several informal investigations of the park have yielded high EMF readings as well as EVPs and orbs. People have reported seeing silhouettes in the background of their photos taken throughout the park, accompanied by the near-constant feeling of being watched and followed. Some have said they can hear phantom sounds of machinery operating out of the ruins of the old buildings where they know for sure no more machinery exists in that area, but they can hear like industrial sounds.
0: Interesting.
1: When people bring electronics into the area to investigate, they may find the batteries on their equipment drain extremely fast and much rarer, but still occurring. Some have reported seeing full bodied apparitions of mill employees roaming around the park. Just, you know doing their job. They identify them as mill workers based on their old late 1800s style work clothes. The area also hosts the Mill City Museum, which has a number of authentic artifacts from the mills. The big abandoned building became popular place for people who were homeless in the 80s, and in 1991 a massive fire reduced the mill to ruins. So that's the they raising they oh, okay. they It had been abandoned at that point, but I, like I said, from what I can tell, it was a planned burning because nobody died in that fire. It was the city getting rid of an abandoned building.
0: I thought that you were going to say, and then all of those unhoused people passed away. And I was like, no. No, 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 no.
1: (laughs) And you won't see uh, machinery or manufacturing gear in the detailed workings of the mill because of that fire. They had gotten everything out before they did it.
0: That's Well, yeah, and why waste the money?
1: In 2003, the Minnesota Historical Society opened Mill City Museum in the unique space, used as a museum and a memorable wedding venue. I was going to say, I knew that it's some
0: sort of an event center.
1: Yep. The museum features a lot of photos, easy to digest information. When I was looking on TripAdvisor, there was a lot of positive reviews saying, like, people still had a fun time, but their kids were also able to enjoy it. Ah, uh, um, And it has a popular narrated flower tower. <laughs> okay. Which is uh, regarded as often the best part of the museum. It apparently is just like, it's an elevator that stops on various floors and the doors open to give a sort of replicated tour of the building. Okay. With various illuminated displays, video sequences, workers talking about getting goo balls of dough in their hair and how proud they were to have a job at the mill. <laughs> And then once you get to the eighth floor, you can go and see an observation deck where you can see views of the river, the city, and the next door condos. Which, who cares about the condos? But the river view is probably pretty fucking sweet. Yeah, for sure. This museum, unsurprisingly, is said to have its own ghosts tied to the land and artifacts on display. But unlike the fairly benign hauntings in the ruins of just like, you know, feeling followed and the workers just going about their job. This one seems a bit sadder, and it affects all the senses. Oh. Both staff and visitors have reported hearing disembodied screams, smelling mm. the sickening scent of burning human flesh.
0: No. Feeling unnaturally
1: hot spots. Oh. And spotting visions of charred and burned, ghoulish-looking entities roaming throughout the building. That is sad. Yeah. It should be noted that there is also non-mill-related tragedy in the area as well. Uh, According to the Speakeasy, a YouTube channel that discusses haunted locations, in the 1950s, the construction of a lock and dam in the area destroyed an island. Like, it destroyed it up. And this island was said to be a place of importance for indigenous peoples in the area, and it may have potentially been a burial location or a place for some type of rituals. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that being destroyed, it's just one more tragedy to pile onto an already tragic location. Right,
0: especially all the indigenous history that was covered up by the mills originally. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So. That is the story of the Alliance Theater in Alliance, Nebraska and Mill Ruins Park in Minneapolis, Minnesota.
0: I always love hearing about things that are local because I've I, I've never been up close mm-hmm. to that,
1: but I've driven by it so many times. So on a skeptic scale of para to normal, para being five, normal being one, what will you give the Alliance Theater? I'm going to give it a 3.5. Okay. Okay. I was actually going to go 2.5. Okay. Just cuz there was no actual I mean there's haunted activity for sure based on what people are describing, but there's no basis for the the Mary like there's no factual evidence for the Mary story.
0: I mean, Mary is probably just a made-up name. But yep. again,
1: theater kids.
0: Oh, theater we kids. do be loving to come back.
1: <laughs> All right. And on the skeptic scale, what are you going to give the Mill Ruins Park? 5. Okay, okay. Although it really bums me out
0: the the last activity you talked about with the the hot spots and the screaming. Yep. Like one one would always hope that if there was like an afterlife that whoever died in a very traumatic way would be able to have like a peaceful afterlife. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully
1: it's hopefully. just
0: replaying moments. Like a residual haunting,
1: and that's not uh, an intelligent haunting. Yeah, because yeah. that would be very sad. Exactly. I was gonna give it a four. Okay, but and that's just because. I mean, again, it's one of those things where the the tragedy is very well documented, right? But everything I was seeing referenced informal investigations. I couldn't find. They said there were EVPs, mm-hmm. but I couldn't find any oh, of I hate them. That. And I couldn't find any photos of orbs or for the people that claimed that there were shadow figures in the background of their pictures throughout. I couldn't find Mm -hmm. any Mm -hmm. online. But if people, if you have visited and you have any of that, please send them to us. I would love. Or
0: even just stories. Even if you don't have any documented proof, but you have some stories about it, let us know. Yeah,
1: we love personal experiences, obviously. Yeah, we do. Yes. What do you got for me this week? Well, before I get into me...
0: I think you should probably tell us a spooky joke. Oh, yes. I will remember. I don't know when in the episode I'll start to remember to have you read them, but I will at some point remember. I shall try my best anyway.
1: What did the scoop say to the pumpkin? I have no idea. Happy Halloween. Halloween. That's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been hearing these jokes so far? That's the worst one. All right. (laughs) This one's for you. What do vegan zombies eat? Grains.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, we can't have them because I'm (laughs) gluten intolerant.
1: (laughs) Yeah, what does a gluten intolerant vegan zombie eat? I have no idea. Rice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, tonight I'm going to tell you about the
1: Rosenheim-Poltergeist case. Rosenheim-Poltergeist? I've never heard of this one. This one is going to be brand spanking new to me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: So in the fall of 1967 at the law office of Sigmund Adam in Rosenheim, Bavaria, Uh, some curious things began to happen. It all started with the phone calls. The phones at the office would ring, but upon picking them up, no one was on the other end. Sometimes as many as all four office lines would ring at once, but when picked up, folks would only get a busy signal. After a while, Sigmund Adam, who along with his staff were frustrated by this now common occurrence, he reached out to the local telephone company to let them know that there was something wrong with their phone lines. However, when the phone company looked into it, they could find nothing wrong. Then, things escalated when Sigmund received his next phone bill and found out that he was charged for local calls made to 0199, the talking clock. So, the talking clock was a service where you could call in and you could get the exact time.
1: Oh, so like if you were at home and you didn't, and you needed to set your clocks, or it's like if you had a power outage, you could call it. I remember things like that. Yeah. Uh, you could, you could we, call because we, we didn't always have the ability to just like look at our phone and get the exact time. Exactly.
0: So, and also, I mean, our phones update based upon, automatically based upon where we are. But we did have a service like this and you'd call it and it would say like, at the tone, the time will be 8.25 and 30 seconds. Yep. So I never called it. I knew it was a thing. I saw it in movies and TV shows. Um, And I actually looked it up, and it still exists, and people still use it. What is it? In the U.S., it's the U.S. Naval Observatory who who offers the service, and the phone number is 202-762-1401. But I should say that it probably costs money, but I don't know for sure. It did in this story. Well, let's
1: see. U.S. Naval Observatory Master Clock. At the tone, Eastern Daylight Time, 20 hours, 38 minutes, 30 seconds. Universal Time, 0 hours, 38 minutes, 35 seconds. U.S. Naval Observatory Master Clock. At the tone, Eastern Daylight Time, 20 hours, 38 minutes, 45 seconds. Doesn't cost anything. It just gives you the time. In Eastern Time and Universal Time, apparently.
0: Yeah, well, this, you wouldn't get the cost until it actually finished the call. So it would show up on your phone bill.
1: Oh, well, if I get a charge for... It's probably not very
0: expensive. I was like, if I get
1: a charge, I'll just be like, all right, well, it was worth it for our (laughs) listeners to hear that voice.
0: Well, also, you know that there's no way that that service has been used by anyone but old people.
1: I don't think they could charge it. There's, There'd be no way for it to show up. Yeah. It yeah. used
0: to be able to be charged. But that was like, when you
1: have a landline, yeah, landline with a cell phone. I think it's different.
0: Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, yeah. So they were getting charged for calls to the talking clock. Like six calls per minute. Holy shit. Which on its own ended up being pretty expensive. But also, it was said to be physically impossible, given the amount of time it would take to dial the number, let it ring to the standard amount of times, and then have it picked up on the other end, which is when the charge actually kicks in. So, six calls per minute, impossible to do. Mm -hmm. But that's what they were being charged. Okay. So, So, when Sigmund called the phone company about this issue, once again, they had no answer for him as to how it was possible. Then, the lights started acting up. Folks in the office reported the lights turning on and off by themselves. The light fixtures would swing back and forth on their own, and having the light bulbs unexplainably unscrewed. And even some of the fixtures were exploding. And much like he did with the phone issues, Sigmund called the electric company about the issues that they were having. And so they sent an electrician out, but he could not find any cause for the electrical issues.
1: My brain is, I just, I don't understand electronics. My brain is like trying to come up with a way that that would have happened. But I, why would I even be thinking of it? I have no idea.
0: (laughs) I mean, some of those things I could think of being electrical issues, except for the light bulbs unscrewing themselves. Yeah. That's weird. Not a thing. That's not a thing. That's not a thing. (laughs) I don't know much about electricity, but I know. That it cannot cause light bulbs to just unscrew themselves. (laughs) And so the electrician decided that as a first step, he would install a voltage meter to determine if any power surges were happening. And maybe that's why the lights were going on and off or things were exploding. Definitely the exploding thing makes Mm -hmm. sense with the power surges. But it was determined that the surges were occurring. And although they were rated powerful enough to blow a fuse, they actually never did. Oh, which didn't make any sense. So things were exploding, but then surges were happening. But I guess like the fuses themselves weren't blowing, which is what they're supposed to do in order to... Stop the explosions. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but they weren't. And then the office's copier began leaking copier fluid and Sigmund was like, what the hell? This shit is expensive. Or more accurately, was full." I added some German in here every once in a while because it's taking place in Germany. (laughs) And I was feeling confident earlier. Let's see how well I do with the rest of it. (laughs) And he assumed that this must also be caused by an issue with the electric company. But they still couldn't figure out what was wrong. Frustrated with these never-ending power issues, Sigmund hired out a personal generator for the office, but even not being connected to the main grid did nothing to stop the occurrences from happening. So now they're not even connected to the main grid and the electric company. There's a private generator, and still, all of these things keep happening. Ah. Eventually, word of the phenomena happening at the Atom Law office reached two physicists. Uh... Friedberg, Karger, and Gerhard Zika, who offered to do their own investigation. Upon completing it, they could offer no solution to Sigmund's problems, reporting, quote, some unknown form of energy is at work, and it was beyond their experience. Yeah, there's like peace. Uh, I don't know I don't what's know, going I, on here, bro. Sorry, I don't know what to tell you. We thought maybe we could come in here and figure it out. We can't. Sometimes mm. you just don't have an answer. I know, I know. Now, by this time, word of what was happening at the Sigmund Adam Law Office was spreading, eventually reaching a man named Hans Bender at the Institute für Grenzgebiete der Psychologie und Psychohygiene, a.k.a. Institute for Border Areas of Psychology and Psychohygiene, or Freiburg's Institute of Parapsychological Research. I like that last one the best. Yeah, I know. Uh, it <laughs> depended on which source. It, it, was it in German or was it in English? Yep. And when Hans heard of the issues that Sigmund was having, he also offered to help. And Sigmund was like, "Yes, please." I did not translate that into German. Bitter. Yeah, ja, bitter. <laughs> Hans started by interviewing the law office employees. Which is where he found out that the phenomenon really only began and ended at certain times of the day. Which, just so happened, seemed to coordinate with a schedule of a 19-year-old employee named Anna Marie Skalberl. Anna Marie? Why are you fucking things up? Now, Anna Marie was the youngest person in the office, and she really didn't like her job. <laughs> so Hans Same is- girl. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Your coworkers are like, Yeah, they're fine. They know so, I kid.
0: I kid, I kid. Uh, so Hans's conclusion, Anna Marie's repressed anger and dislike of her job and her employer was putting her in a state of emotional turmoil, which was causing poltergeist activity. Ooh, okay, 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 okay. And as some time went on, the activity in the office actually began to increase still. With items starting to move on their own accord, drawers would open and close on their own. Pictures that were hanging on the wall would rotate 360 degrees or fall off their hooks. And large, heavy office furniture would slide across the floor but leave no dragging or scuff marks on the linoleum. Well, at least it's not damaging it. And that's how you know this is the 60s because there's linoleum in the office.
1: I was literally thinking about putting linoleum in my kitchen
0: linoleum belongs in a kitchen. <laughs> kitchen and bathroom, that's it. <laughs> Hans, like many other parapsychologists over the years, have linked poltergeist activity to the emotional state of young people. Specifically, teenagers are capable of creating disruptive psychic energy that affects the world around them. I mean, you've heard this before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. According to an article in New Scientist, researchers note that poltergeist encounters have been reported around the world and across different cultures, but tend to have one thing in common. Italian physicists Piero Bravato and Vera Maxia reported in a 2008 paper some conjectures about the mechanisms of poltergeist phenomenon, Mm -hmm. quote, Oldergeist accounts concern at least four kinds of strange spontaneous manifestations, such as burning of materials, failures of electrical equipment, rapping noises, and movements of objects. A simple analysis of phenomenology of these disturbances show that they might have a common origin, that is a reduction in the strength of molecular bonds due to an enhanced polarization of vacuum, which decreases the actual electron
1: charge. Yeah, fucking science. Science. It's you- like when I, I think because I think one of my locations had a similar discussion. Yeah. And every time I like start to go into it, my brain wants to just start dancing. Because and, and she she started dancing while I was describing this, but I wasn't I was gonna very interv- distracted. I wasn't gonna <laughs> like say anything because I mean you are already having to speak science, but my brain is just like, yeah, it's like beats to a to a song. It it's it a doesn't simple make-
0: analysis of the femino- phenomenology of these disturbances
1: show that they might have a
0: common origin. That wasn't a very good song. All I'm saying is
1: <laughs> Lin Manuel Miranda could make it work.
0: Oh well, he can make anything. And work.
1: that's where my brain goes yeah. when that when when it's like stuff that I don't fully understand, and I know I'd have to listen to it like four more times to fully get it. You know. Yeah. Like yeah, a yeah. like a Lin Manuel Miranda song. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Is that why you just kept watching Hamilton over and over again? You're like, I'm gonna figure out this history. Some of
1: it, uh, some of it made sense right away. Uh, some of the reason I kept watching it is because it's full of very attractive people, and another reason is because it's catchy as fuck. <laughs> Alexander Hamilton. My name is Alexander Hamilton. On with your story. Yeah,
0: so arguments- So science. Arguments (laughs) based on some guys, pre non-equilibrium thermodynamics are proposed, which show how transformations in the brain of some pubescent childs or young women's might be the cause of this effects, unquote. (laughs) All right, so they hypothesize that the changes in the brain that occur at puberty involve fluctuations in electron activity and in rare cases can create disturbances up to a few meters around the outside of the brain. Okay. So here's this 19-year-old woman who hates her job. She hates her boss. And it's later found out that she had a fiancé who had just called off their engagement. And all of this emotional unhappiness is converted into psychokinesis. Psychokinetic energy that is causing all of the phenomenon to happen when she's at the office. Mm -hmm. And allegedly, Hans had even recorded proof of the phenomenon, such as the picture frames rotating on their hooks. And then she quit. (laughs) Please, is, is that the end? Basically? Anne-Marie, whether it was because she was sick of everything going on wacky around her, or she finally realized she'd be happier not working there, or maybe she got sick of the Hans Bender guy always interrogating her. (laughs) Yeah, legit. Or maybe she just got fired because she hated her job and probably wasn't doing a super spectacular job of it. Um, Either way, Anne-Marie left her job at the law office, and all of the activity ceased immediately. Well, I mean,
1: when you got an answer, you got an answer.
0: There are rumors that this kind of activity continued to follow Mm Anne-Marie around, uh, even after she left, with one rumor suggesting that a boyfriend broke up with her at a bowling alley after a freak electrical accident. Whatever the hell that means.
1: Drama.
0: Drama. But by 1969, Anne-Marie was married. And happy. And allegedly after that, she was no longer plagued with psychokinetic phenomena. Get it, girl. Of course, not everyone believes that the Sigmund Adam law office actually experienced these things. Some folks think that it was just an elaborate ruse to gain attention in business. Though I'm not sure how having a haunted law office would drum up business. Yeah,
1: all I could think is like, okay, if anything... People are going to be less likely to use, because typically when you are involving a lawyer Mm -hmm. or a law office of some kind, Mm -hmm. you want people to take things very seriously. Yeah. So if you think that they're willing to make up stuff. Yeah. Or if they're going to be drama filled, like that's the last thing I can think that you would want involved in your legal proceedings. It
0: really seems like it'd be more detrimental to the business than
1: helpful. Yep, absolutely.
0: Or perhaps Sigmund Adam represented the Freiburg's Institute of Parapsychological <laughs> Research. And this was somehow a ploy to make them seem more reputable. Okay, that's a, that's a, that's See, a good point. See, that seems, seems more like it. Yeah. Either way, it seems like those conversations, charges, and recordings of electrical surges actually happened. Though no one is really sure whether or not they were somehow fraudulently produced yeah yeah i guess we'll never know but what do you think
1: hmm i think i think it's fairly believable i mean i don't s-
0: science says science <laughs> that women and adolescent folks can create psychokinetic energy
1: that moves things. Science says a lot of things that I don't understand, so I'm not going to pretend like I do. Science was one of my least successful subjects <laughs> in any form of schooling. Just throwing that out there.
0: What, what I liked about
1: this is that although they describe it as like paranormal
0: phenomenon, psychokinesis is paranormal phenomenon. Yep, yep. But they never once imply that it's a ghost. Oh, yeah. Yeah. From the get go, they're like, things are moving around. People are like, in fact, physicists, even like all around, were involved in this until Hans and he worked for. It's not a ghost, it's the
1: young intern.
0: (laughs) Exactly. She just hates her job. And you know what, Sigmund? She hates you too.
1: She's mad about it. (laughs) The coffee is free, so am me, I'm an unpaid intern. (laughs) <laughs> On a skeptic scale, uh-huh. I'm going to give it a four. I am also
0: going to give it a four.
1: Um, We have an update. Yes. Wait. From last week's listener story? From last week's listener story. Yes. Thank
0: you. She, they.
1: Uh, So, we got an update that says, this goes with the haunted pharmacy story submitted previously. Spooky ladies, there's been a development. A development? So, they go on to say, I came into work this morning and my manager asks if anyone knows whose key this is because it's a store key and they don't know where it came from. We all worked yesterday and it wasn't there. It was the same key. Maybe they felt bad after I ratted them out to you two. So saying the ghost felt that after. (laughs) Because they they
0: wrote about it while they were at work.
1: Yep. So they said, don't worry. I thanked the ghost, told them we were cool, and no more practical jokes that leave me stranded in a store at midnight. Anyway, thought you'd appreciate that development. I'm going to go to work and hang out with all my coworkers, even the transparent ones. Aww. I'm glad you got your key back. I'm so glad you got your key back. I think I was thinking about this. You should put it in your shoe.
0: That seems uncomfortable. It's not that bad. Just take your shoe off when you go to lock it or Okay. Now I'm thinking of you putting it on your shoelace, which I think is not what you
1: meant. No, you just tuck it into your shoe. Okay. I that's how uh you have to carry things around at concerts as a teen. As, as somebody who did not carry a purse. Uh-huh. And I would often wear clothes that cause because clothing manufacturers don't like to give girls pockets. No, they do not. I would often put my money. And my license and my key in my shoe. You know,
0: Janet Jackson, when she was younger, apparently she kept losing her house key. So she put it on a hoop earring. So she had hoop earrings and one of them had a key on it. I saw an
1: interview. It's like a fashion statement, but a functional fashion statement. I know. I love that.
0: I'm saying. If if you're not an earring wearer, maybe like a bracelet. There you go. There's all sorts of things. Although there is a little bit of sadness attached to wearing your work key. True. On your body because you know work key. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're. It's like the ball
1: and chain. There of is the job. There is an even better option though. Okay. Which is clothing manufacturers just in in like feminine cut of clothing. Still give us decent pockets. Please.
0: I don't know, Kayla. That's a long tradition of patriarchy.
1: <laughs> Women don't need to carry things. Ugh. That's what purses are for. Hate purses. I know. I know. If I lose something, that's fine. But the amount of times that I have left a purse somewhere, so not only did I just lose one thing, I lost everything. everything. Yep. Nope. I know, especially if you're not used to it. Exactly. But- Anyway, if you have a Patreon. listener story you would like to share, you can do so by emailing us directly, leftofskeptic at gmail.com. Or you can go to our website, www.leftofskeptic.com, and click the listener stories tab at the top of the page. You can also get there by clicking the link tree in our bio, and it should be in every bio of any of the forms of listening you you use. Mm-hmm. Also, please uh if you think about it. If depending on what you use, if you could, you know, give us a positive rating, a oh, thumbs yeah. up, we a five not stars, done a rating, a Brooke subscribe. West. When you do those kinds of things, it helps us get to suggested to more listeners, which we appreciate. I mean, just telling people
0: too is really great. Just yep. tell them to start, you know, later in the episodes.
1: Well, we have our listeners starter pack that is on the website and in on our link tree as well. Yeah. So that's that's there as well. You can choose to, if you submit a story, remain anonymous or include your name. We just ask that you please include your pronouns.
0: You can also follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Left of Skeptic and Facebook at Left of Skeptic Podcast.
1: Well, we want to thank you all for joining us. We hope that uh, as you're listening to this, we hope you had an excellent Halloween and a final big blowout end to your spooky season. And we love you and appreciate you. It's true we do. All right. Happy Spooky Wednesday. Happy Spooky Wednesday. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.
0: The Left of Skeptic Podcast is written and hosted by Kayla Moria and Brittany Lind. This week's episode is edited by me. Britney Lind, The Loved of Skeptic Music is by Dave Melling and Emily Havoc, and our artwork is by Al LeBlanc. Okay, bye! Mm-hmm.
1: So, in the Milling District, archaeologists, 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 archaeologists fuck, all right, <laughs>